This is episode 11 of the Graph Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. We have a really cool episode for you today. I brought in my friend and fellow obsessor of golf, Jeremy Schilling, to talk about one of the most popular and successful players of the past decade, Rory McIlroy. He's had an incredibly interesting career to this point, which is the crux of our conversation here. 2009 was his first full year as a pro where he played in all the majors, and over the first six years of his career, he had four major victories and six other top 10 finishes. In his first two major wins, he won by eight shots, and in the third major, he led by six strokes going into the final round and ended up winning by two. So really a a dominant performance at the time. However, in the seven years that have followed, Rory has no major victories. Although he's had 12 top 10 finishes in majors in that time span, he really hasn't had a realistic chance to win on the final day for almost all of those, so it's a bit of a mirage. He did finish tied for second at the 2018 Open Championship, which Francesco Molinari won by two strokes, but it's been a lot of what we would call backdoor top 10s, where he plays well when he is totally out of contention and the pressure is off. That brings up the obvious question of the day, and that is, why has that happened to him? He's still one of the best players in the game, there's no doubt about that. He was the player of the year in 2019, and here is where he's finished each of the last six years in the world ranking. 3rd, 2nd, 11th, 8th, 2nd, and 4th. So what gives? We have a few opinions and theories, suffice to say it's not just one variable, but Jeremy and I share all of our thoughts in this episode. Before we get to that, just a reminder that if you have any questions for the Graph Podcast, you can DM us on Instagram or send an email to club at graph.golf. We'd love to hear any of the topics you'd like us to cover, any thoughts on current episodes or past episodes, so please send those along. Well, let's get into it right now. Why doesn't Rory McIlroy have more success in major championships? It's a pleasure to be joined once again by Jeremy Schilling of the Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling podcast. Jeremy came on to talk about Bryson DeChambeau back in February. Go ahead and check that one out if you're interested, because that was a very fun episode. But today we are talking about Rory McIlroy and more specifically, his play in major championships recently. Jeremy, I, I want to start here. Uh, obviously, Rory is one of the most talented players in the world. He has 12 top 10s in majors dating back to 2015, which for some players, that would probably be considered a fantastic p- career. But we obviously, you know, we hold him to a different standard because of his ability. When, when you think about majors in Rory, what are some of the first thoughts that kind of come to your mind? Really bad first rounds. Mm. He's gotten off to some terrible starts. I mean, if you think about it, it's been seven years since he won a major. Part of um, his struggles of late in majors has not been, you know, mastery of the course because he's been able to do it in in the three rounds that follow. He just digs himself holes. And you can't dig yourself holes in a major. You can do it at a PGA Tour event. Um you know, he, he won Wells Fargo this year by shooting 72 in the first round, yet he went 66, uh, 68-68 over the weekend um, and ultimately, you know, got the job done. So you can start slow and recover at a PGA Tour event, especially if the weather changes. But at majors, you just got to be so precise. You know, obviously 2011 Masters comes up and there's there's that, but I think separating Augusta from the fact he hasn't won a major in 
in you know however long now seven years i think it's two different buckets i i think augusta's one thing and i think all these other majors is something else to your point since 2015 a combined 35 over in the first round of major championships and 52 under in the other three rounds so definitely a mental block there well what i think is interesting is this right so as players, not professional players, let's not kid us, uh, kid the <laughs> listeners here. But as players, there are there's basically two reactions to bad golf. There's more bad golf, or you get this freedom to just let loose. The pressure's off. Where it takes you, you know, the pressure's off. You've got nothing to worry about. And I do wonder at times how much of whatever you said that was fifty two under. Fifty two under in the last three rounds of majors. Yeah. Like, there's obviously a percentage of that, which is pressureful. Um, you know, you think about trying to, to fight and claw back to make the cut at Port Rush in uh, 2019 at the Open. You know, there's a lot of um, scratching and clawing and trying to get back up there. But I do think that part of Rory's issues at majors um, and his success over the last 54 holes can be attributed to having the pressure off. So I want to throw some theories, some opinions, uh, some thoughts at you here and, and feel free to throw any of your, of your own out as well. But I'd like to get your reaction to a few of these. I'm going to start with this one. One of my, one of my theories about Rory is that when Rory won his four majors, golf was really going through a, a lull without as many top players and, and Rory capitalized on that. And I think, you know, if you look at 2011 to 2014, when he won those four majors, it, w- it was a time when Tiger was, was mostly injured and not really a factor uh, other than 2013. Phil was maybe not the height of his powers, although he did win the 2013 open championship. And, Jordan Spieth was just kind of getting out on the tour at the end of that uh, end of that period. Here are some of the the players who were in the top twenty five of the world when Rory won his first major in in twenty eleven at Congressional. Luke Donald was was number one in the world. Martin Keimer was number three. Uh, some other players: Steve Stricker, Graham McDowell, Charles Schwartzel, Nick Watney, KJ Choi, Robert Carlson, Alvaro Quiros, and Martin Laird were all in the top twenty five and. No disrespect to any of those players, but the gap between Rory and almost everyone else was, was pretty large at that point. And, and we saw that he he won a couple of majors in, in runaway fashion. What are you, what are your thoughts there? Is it is the competition in uh, in that side of it? Do you think do you think that has changed at all over time? I don't buy it in majors. Hmm. I can buy it in PGA Tour events. We've talked forever about Rory having poor Sundays, and he went through that slump of having not won between November 2019 and, and May of 2021 when he went at Wells Fargo. And, and you can make the argument that deeper fields make it harder on Sundays. He didn't come through and he had a lot of chances during that stretch. I, I, so I, I don't buy that uh, theory for major championships. I buy it more for, for PGA tour events for the majors. I think what it speaks to is golf was just going through and churning through um, different names popping up at different moments. People forget Martin Keimer is a two-time major winner. Great you know, player. He won that 2010 PGA that had the whole Dustin Johnson controversy, and then he wins at Pinehurst. Golf 
went through this odd stage where Rory was up there and Dustin was ascending and there were guys who would, you know, who would make pokes. Ricky was contending in, you know, I think Ricky's top five and all four majors happened somewhere in that general stretch. 2014. Yeah. 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 And so you look at, at all that and look, Phil was in the next to last group at, at Valhalla, you know, when they had the whole, um, you know, shining star at sunset, as Jim Nance said, as they just beat bad weather at uh, Valhalla. So, for for my money, I think it's I I don't think it's depth of field more than it is. Uh, he didn't come through for some of the other theories which you're about to mention. Absolutely, I'm, I'll, I'll try another one out on you, and this one I I want to delve into a little bit deeper before I uh, before I let you respond to this one. So my second reason why Rory has kind of struggled in majors goes along a little bit with the first one, and that is this, his his advantage off the tee, which I think we can all agree he is one of the greatest drivers of the ball of all time, probably. I would put him probably in the top 10, top 15 easily in that category. I think that advantage has shrunk a little bit over time um, for a couple of reasons. I think one is improving technology, and another, the Another player is just taking fitness probably as seriously as he did early on, early on in his career. I, I think if you look at 2014, Rory was number one in strokes gained off the tee, and in that year, every round he played, he was gaining almost a, a shot and a half against the field, just because of how great of a driver he was and, and still is. And the closest player to him at that time was was Bubba Watson, who was about a full ha- half a shot behind him. And if you fast forward to this season, you know, Rory is, has remained a, a great driver of the golf ball, and he's hitting it further off the tee now than he did in 2014. He, he's averaging 318 yards off the tee now, and in 2014, he was down at 310, and he's, he's definitely longer, as is everybody. But, um, you know, he, he ranks 10th in strokes gained off the tee now, and he, he's only gaining a little over a half a shot every round instead of a shot and a half. And to me, that's that's an extra four shots a tournament against his competition. And I don't know, to me, it it seems like that puts a little bit more onus on, on some of the other parts of his game where he doesn't really have as great of an advantage. Uh, You know, he he hasn't putted tremendously throughout his career. He did rank 24th in strokes game putting in 2019. He was 41st uh, in that category in 2014, which is really his, his two best putting years. But otherwise, he's been pretty much below average. So to me, it seems like the the driver is an, a, clearly an important club for him, and I think that that you know margin that he really capitalized on earlier in his career it's still there. It's just not it's just not the same the same dominance off the tee that we've seen uh, relative to other players uh, compared to, compared to now. What what are, your, what are your thoughts on that one? Let me flip this question around. Because I, I think this is a, a, a really interesting topic, which is if we remove Bryson for a second, because Bryson's in a category all off to his own, right? And you look at Brooks Kepka. He made waves for this, but, I, but you see more and more guys endorsing this theory that Brooks has, that when you have a major, you've only got, in some of these fields, what, 35 players that, that actually believe they can win? 
a lot of yeah, a lot of amateurs, a lot of other players in the field who really aren't going to contend in the in the tournament. Yeah, you've got you know at Augusta some international players and some amateurs who are not going to win in their first time. The PGA is all the club pros. Nothing against them. I love PGA professionals, but they're not going to win. U.S. Open has you know people from all over the place. The Open Championship, same deal. You look at top 10 in the world right now. DJ's long, JT's long, Rom's long, Morikawa's basically, you know, he can poke it if he has to, but it's it's nominal distance. Bryson's in a different league. Xander's, you know, just a ball-striking machine, not super long. Cantley's not super long. Kepka can move it for a mile. Reed can move it when he has to. And then you go further down and you get to Rory at, at 10, you get to uh, Finau at 14. There is, I, I think, more bombers in the category of people that can win these majors. Not, not So the strokes gain numbers, yes, but the strokes gain number is everybody. That includes Luke List. I'm not sure, nothing against Luke List, that you and I believe that his first win is going to come in a major. So I think it's, it's course setup, venue setup that may be negating his advantage more than the competition he's facing in those majors because the gap that he's got to overcome yes it's longer hitters but that is that would be strokes gain compared to to his direct competition that stat overall includes you know people who are not going to be taking home the trophy that's very true i think if you look at the top 15 in strokes gained off the tee you're you're going to find most of the top players in the world there and one point I, I did want to make, uh, listening to a recent interview by Dustin Johnson, he was asked how many draws did you hit off the tee, you know, last season, and he said zero. He hit he hit fades for a hundred percent of his tee shot, and we've seen this kind of uh, over the past uh, few months. With you look at Jordan Spieth, he's he's really relying heavily on a, on a fade off the tee. It seems like Rory's kind of going in that direction as yep. well. Is, is that something that you think? moving forward, that could be a bit of a difference maker. Cause I think a lot of people look at Rory's, uh, Rory's wedge game. And, um, you know, to me, I think that it's a little bit overblown because the last three years he's ranked 12th, 19th and 33rd in strokes gained approach. And he's usually, you know, a lot of times he has a wedge in his hand. He's not the, the best wedge player in the world, but I think it's a little bit overblown that people kind of point to that as the only thing that's, that's wrong with him. But do you think that that, that switch you know, you know. Technically, when I when I look at his at his golf swing, uh, he, he's really he is built to drive the ball really well because of how shallow he comes in, in, into the ball. But I, I think that that doesn't really help you that much. Uh, you know, in the in the approach game, in in the in the wedge in the wedge game, and I, I think switching to more of a fade, something with a little bit more steepness to it coming into the ball, that could be something that could bode very well for him, and and, and perhaps you know, add a little bit more consistency. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts on that are absolutely. And I think people have to take a step back with Rory right now. He's going through swing changes. And Mm -hmm. I actually think that the Bryson experiment may have helped him because there was no need to change what he had going well. In a sense, I feel like Rory's problems may have been more mental than physical, may have been more mental game than that, Mm -hmm. that, that is swing. Because he was plenty long enough as is. He didn't need to chase anything. And if going to a fade is going to rein him in and keep him in, I'm absolutely, I'm in favor of it. 
But I think overall, it's a change in his philosophy around driving. And if that's what that leads to, then then I endorse it. But I, I, I think the change to playing a more conservative, in quotes, form when compared to Bryson, a less aggressive mode off the tee could bode very well for him. The, the problem and my only issue with people who go predominantly to a fade is what happens when the fade stops fading. And we're seeing that right now with Dustin Johnson, who has had a really rough time of it ever since he won in Saudi Arabia. And if you have watched any of Dustin Johnson, his fade has either been a straight pull or it's been way, way, way more of a fade to where it's becoming a slice. You have to be able to hit the ball consistently and you need a backup plan. And I don't like the fact that some players go to only one shot shape off the tee and that's all they practice. That's all they grind on because what happens when it's not there that day? So that's my only concern with players who go predominantly to a fade. And that includes DJ and uh, Brooksy and, and Rory. Um, I, I have issues with those guys at times in believing they can actually do it. It's interesting. Even JT Morikawa guys who uh, really just only hit a fade uh, for, for the majority of the time. And uh, we saw it down the stretch of the PGA championship. Kepka did exactly what you just said, had a couple of pulls on uh, on pretty critical tee shots that, that kind of uh, took him out of, out of the golf tournament. So Something, something to watch there. The technology definitely sets up better for uh, for the top players to be hitting a fade and, and to have more control. So we'll be we'll have to uh, watch and see what what happens there. My, my, the next theory, I, I want to get into, uh, into into the mental part of it a little bit because I think that is a big piece to it. And you just mentioned it. One of my thoughts is that there 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 is so much money being made in the professional golf game today, and and, and pretty much all the top players are already set for life financially so the, the real urgency left for for players of, of Rory's caliber and the top 10 players in the world it really you know they're defined by what happens in the majors and, and probably the Ryder Cup th- those five tournaments every every year I mean that's yeah. that, that's so critical to uh you know Rory talks about playing for history and that's there, there's not a ton of history being made outside of those tournaments right I mean he's won 19 PGA Tour events he could probably win another 10 to 20 regular PGA tour events. And that wouldn't really change that much. But if he went out and won a masters, I mean, that would change a lot there. And there's a lot of pressure that comes to that. I, I think there is a, a mental block for Rory. Uh, we, we mentioned the, uh, the, you know, the dichotomy between his first round scoring and his, uh, and, and the other, and the other rounds. And, um, you know, I think there's uh, I think there's a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a mental block there. This is, here's a quote from Paul McGinley, uh, the former European Ryder Cup captain. He had a great column in Sky Sports earlier this year. Quote, I think that pressure situations are more of a challenge for him at the moment and that he feels a lot of expectation both internally and externally, but doesn't seem to have a strategy to counteract what sits side by side with anyone so talented. That, to me, is the root of the issue as I don't see any part of his game that is particularly weak. And End quote. So, Basically, McGinley's saying right there is that th- this seems to be more of a uh, w- once he gets 
punched in the mouth sometimes, he doesn't really have a response to it. And it seems like more of a, a mental issue than, than sometimes a physical issue. What, do, would you agree with what McGinley is saying? Yeah. And, and I'm going to answer it in a really roundabout way. So hang with me, Sean. This is going to be fun. All right? <laughs> we'll we'll bear with you. Hop on. <laughs> uh, how many PGA Tour wins do you think Ian Poulter has? Not many. It's a couple. He's got three. Three. Okay. How many European Tour wins do you think he has? Probably a lot more. Ten? Ten. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> so he has 13 PGA Tour and European Tour wins. Is he a Hall of Famer? I would argue that Ian Poulter is a borderline Hall of Famer because of what he's done in the Ryder Cup. You look at Sergio. Mm. Sergio, I would argue, even before his Masters win, was a, was potentially a Hall of Famer. Since then, he's won a Masters and he's become the all-time European point uh, winner in Ryder Cup history. And when does Ian Poulter's game seem to show up? Ryder Cup years. <laughs> when does Sergio's game seem to show up? Ryder Cup years. It is hard to go back to the well time and time and time again to be motivated when you get to a certain stage. Ian Poulter's got more cars than he has room for in garages. Sergio, you 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 can have a really interesting conversation about Sergio and his effort levels in certain times and how sometimes he feels like he's going to be on it and sometimes there's this laissez-faire side to Sergio that is is really fascinating and he's now you know, a father of two and as happy as could be. When I think with Rory, and and I'm going to go back to the previous topic, which is that go-to under pressure thing when you're not used to being in that spot. Because if majors do mean something more in the Ryder Cup, you have to have something to fall back on. 16 and 18 into players, Justin Thomas, who, as you said, hits that fade off the tee and loves it, hit that slinging, draw thing I'm, I'm not even sure the draw it's probably a hook at this point it's what Lexi Thompson um, hit off one of the par fives down the stretch at the U.S. Women's Open recently and I don't feel like Rory has that and looking 18 at Quail Hollow that could have ended way differently if Harry Diamond had not recommended that he take the penalty drop even though he could have played it out of where he was in the penalty area and so for me that I think is the is where the mental meets the physical. Can you figure out in your game what it takes when the pressure gets ratcheted up in the weeks that may only mean something to you? And folks, I'm not saying Rory doesn't care about the Quail Hollow win or that you know Sergio doesn't care that he won the Sanderson Farms last year, but there is no doubting that majors and Ryder Cups mean something different to these guys. His ability to find a fallback shot option is going to be huge for him going forward. I would totally agree with that. And and I don't think it's just a, a Rory problem because a lot of the top players under for, underperform in majors. We've seen Justin Thomas. I think he would definitely say he's underperformed in majors. He, he's only won once and he plays way better in regular events. He, he's registering top 10s at about a 30% clip in regular PGA Tour events, and he goes down to about 15% in majors. And there, there is that piece to it where I, I think it, I think there is a mental piece to uh, 
to kind of getting yourself in that in that space. Look at you know Brooks Kepka, you know uh, at the 2020 PGA, I believe. I think the one the one at Harding Park, he he showed up something like you know 30 to 40 minutes before his tee time, and it didn't really hit that many balls. And he was asked about it after the round, and he said, you know, well. I'm an athlete. I was just getting my body ready. You know, I was at the gym before. That's that's what got my my body ready to to play that day. And and that's like a di- that's a totally different mindset yep. than somebody else who you know shows up an hour and a half and is trying to figure things out on the range prior to uh, prior to a major championship round. I think you know there there is, there is something to be learned from that. Yeah, and look at Brooks 2021 PGA. There's he has no business being out there or or the Masters. I mean, his knee and leg is so messed up right now. And when, per the reporting of Sir Nick Faldo, his team is not worried about the golf swing, but worried about him leaving his car, excuse me, and going from the asphalt parking lot onto the sidewalks and, and that they're endorsing that he get on the grass as soon as possible as he walks Kiowa. I mean, <laughs> that I think set, speaks to the level of how much Brooks is a competitor and here he is. And he comes in with no form, no starts after Augusta and finishes second to Phil. Um, so uh, there's definitely a, 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 a mentality thing that is different here um, with, with some players than others. And, and I think Rory is a competitor. And I think a lot of the doubters have fueled him during this stretch to, try and improve and and try and become better he needs to learn from the others around him is that as the pressure gets ratcheted up and as the noise gets louder he has to tone it down i think he has to quiet that noise and i would almost endorse i forget if it was jordan spieth or if it was somebody else i think it was spieth who decided that they were not going to watch any channel during Masters Week at the house that they rent that had anything to do with sports or golf. It was either movies or Netflix or like the Weather Channel. (laughs) But the point was he didn't want to see his name on a ticker. He didn't want to pass Golf Channel or or ESPN or wherever and and hear his name Mm. said. He wanted to go as far away as possible. So if you want to binge watch whatever... That's the week to do it. And I like, I kind of like that mental strategy. I think it could be good for Rory. I have two questions for you to, uh, to finish out this podcast. And, uh, one of them is, is probably going to take a little bit longer of an explanation than the second one. So let's go with that one first. Is Rory, is Rory too self-aware for his own good? Do you think that plays any, any role in this? And I guess what I, what I mean by that is, uh, he's such a great press conference. He's such a thoughtful, guy he could probably do a lot of other things in his life besides golf and, and when he's done playing golf i'm sure he he will do a lot of other things uh is that is as a part of that hurting him a little bit in in big spots where he he recognizes the moment he recognizes that winning the masters would put him into a completely different echelon of, of players in, in the in the history of the game uh what do you what are your thoughts on that i totally believe it i think you can be too self-aware and that sometimes being young, ambitious, raw, green, whatever you want to say is good for you. I think that speaks to Will Zalatoris' success this year. He's playing with this freedom and this 
great mindset because he's got nothing to lose. He's got this no man's land tour status right now, and he doesn't have any scar tissue. And, and, I, and I think Rory does have scar tissue. I think he has scar tissue at Augusta. He's tried all different kinds of ways to get ready for Augusta. Go in there and basically live there. Uh, play every week leading up. Play no weeks leading up. Um, he's tried almost every strategy, and it hasn't worked out. And I think, you know, you can definitely be too self-aware for your own good. You can probably tell by the way that I asked the question that I, I agree with you. I would say that uh, there it kind of goes back to that famous Phil Mickelson quote, you need to be incredibly smart or incredibly dumb to to, to play the game at, at a high level. I don't know if it's that if it's that simple, because I think there are some some guys who are a little bit more in between than that. But it could definitely be a benefit to uh, to Well look at him mm-hmm. look at him two thousand six, um, Wingfoot, you know, I'm such an idiot. Um, so <laughs> there is a fine line of being dumb and then, you know, having it hinder you and your chances of winning. The 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 last question, probably a little bit more of a more of a simpler one Will Rory win a major again? And uh, he has so much more time. Um, I, I'm inclined to say that he, he will eventually get one. Uh, you know, I think people forget that at the beginning of, of any major championship, you know, we're, we're heading into the U.S. Open now. And, you know, the, the player with the greatest chance to win is only at, what, eight, nine percent, maybe, if you look at some of the some of the odds that are out that are out there. And it's very, very difficult to win. But uh, I think I think he will run into uh, another one again he, there are a lot more more chances for him we, we've seen phil just win at, at at almost 51 years old um he, rory will not play that long but he'll, he has another you know 10 to 15 years still left in him uh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say yes to that to that question i'm gonna say yes with a caveat he's gotta stay healthy and one thing mm. we did not bring up is the ankle injury the soccer ankle injury where he would have been at playing some of his best golf, I believe it was the 2015 PG, uh, sorry, a 2015 Open Championship at, at St. Andrews that, that he had a miss because of that injury. Um, that, I think, you know, he's got to stay healthy. He's got one of those swings that can lead to some nicks and knacks. Nicks and knacks. Look, I mean, he won at Quail Hollow after a uh, neck issue popped, you know, popped up at, uh, uh, um, out of the range. He doesn't have the same kind of silky swing that Phil has, which has allowed him to be so successful at 50, you know, nearly 51 years old. So yes, if he stays healthy. That's a huge point. I mean, that's health is uh, going to be a a pretty big storyline for a lot of the guys who are right, right around the late, their late twenties and early thirties right now, moving forward into the next decade. That'll be a a, a huge storyline, especially guys with these tight swings. Um, look at what Patrick Cantlay has already had to overcome. Kepka's banged up. Um, EJ's had knee issues. Uh, you're you're going to keep seeing this, I think, with some guys and their and their moves. And then there's the whole you know thing you asked me in the last podcast. You know, can Bryson do this over a long period of time, or is Bryson's shelf life really short? Um, and is he trying to make a lot of golf history and change the sport in a very condensed amount of time? It's going to be fascinating to watch, my friend. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on once again. Uh, the Bryson episode was a lot of fun. This one was also a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have to get you back on again to uh, talk about 
talk about somebody else or talk about another topic. But looking forward to uh, U.S. Open Week at Torrey Pines. Hope everyone has a chance to uh, to check that out. And uh, we'll, we'll have to get you on the podcast again soon. Thanks, Sean. And that's all the time we have today. Thank you again to Jeremy for coming on to the show. If you have a minute, please rate and subscribe to the podcast so we can share our content with more golf lovers out there. It's certainly appreciated. But for now, I'm your host, Sean Fairholm, and we'll see you again next time.